0: Hi, welcome to this um, session on exam preparation for the PMQ um, exam. This is for the Box 7. Some basics, first of all. The exam is for a full exam, uh, three hours. There are 10 questions that you're expected to answer, but you're given 16 questions to choose from, which of course is great because it means that you can avoid the subjects that you really need to avoid and you can select the questions that you are favourable to you. Um, each PMQ question in its entirety is worth 50 marks, um, and it will have two parts. Every question will have two parts. Part A will be worth 20 marks, and part B will be made up of 30 marks. You have to score 55%, or an average of 27.5, so effectively 28 marks out of 50, to pass. Um, Each part of a question will target one assessment criteria and the whole question will target or be drawn from one learning outcome. So there'll be two assessment criteria per question and one learning outcome will be targeted. Each question is allocated in the big scheme of things 18 minutes but the guidance is that you should spend approximately 15 minutes on the question and that leaves you some time for reading the paper, checking your answers and coming back and perhaps doing some correction at the end. Uh, There is uh, guidance available from the APM. There are a number of documents, there's a syllabus, um, there's uh, documents on exam preparation, plus the information that Provec will give you in the Provec APM PMQ book. So do please look at the information available so that when you uh, go to take the exam, there are no surprises. The exam can be taken either as a paper-based exam in a classroom, a sort of traditional exam, or it can be taken as a virtual exam remotely. The important thing about preparing for the exam and, and, and passing the exam is to understand the type of questions, and the key here something that the APM call the command verbs. So there are a number of these command verbs, and each question will use one of these command verbs. So explain, describe, state, outline, interpret, differentiate, and they all mean something very different and very distinctive. So it's very very important that you spend time understanding what these different words mean. We will spend more time looking at this in a, in, a, in a minute when we have a look at some sample questions and answers, but it's absolutely vital. So, for example, if a question asks you to explain, it's asking you about the why, the rationale, the reason for something. Whereas if a question asks you to describe something, it's not asking you about the why, it's asking you about the what, So if I was to uh, describe the room I'm sitting in now, I could tell you that there's a camera and it's set up with a remote uh, camera and monitor in the other room so that the person operating it can see what's going on, and I could describe all the components of this room. But if you asked me to explain the reason why I'm in this room, the answer would be very, very different. So very important to distinguish between these command verbs. And we'll, we'll explain a little bit more about that as well. Let's have a look at the uh, marking guidance as well. Obviously, this is quite important, so if you understand how the marks are awarded, it gives you a chance to actually gain more marks. So, for an explain, a describe, an interpret, or a differentiate part of a question, you can get a maximum of 10 marks. So, put that in context of the overall question. If there are, a, if there's part A worth 20 marks, that could be explain two things each worth 10 marks or we'll describe uh, two uh, two things with 10 marks and obviously if you put in uh, something that shows little or no understanding you may get zero marks for that but if you put something down that shows a depth of understanding and you expand the subject sufficiently to show the marker that you really do have a grip on this subject then you can get full marks for that The other two command verbs, state and outline, these are rarely used. There are only, I think, four assessment criteria in total that use these. So you may get a couple of these in an exam, but not many. The majority actually are going to be explained. These get five marks a piece. So if you had part A and it was worth 20 marks, it could be state four things or outline four things. And that would give you the 20 marks. And these just require a little bit of explanation they're not worth spending too much time on because there are very few of them, but we will have a look at some examples. So, <clears throat> make sure that you're familiar with the command verbs. As I said, the majority of the questions, you know, over 80% of the questions are going to be explain. Um, we, we mentioned the one differentiate and Differentiate means compare and contrast, but the APM stray from their golden rule of using the command verb that is in the assessment criteria on differentiate, because it's quite hard to write questions with the word differentiate as the only command verb. So what they will often do there is put the question in, explain the difference. And if you see explain the difference, it's synonymous with differentiate. So think of the marking as the, the marker is going to give you two marks for saying something that is correct and then for every subsequent point you make there are more marks to be given to you up to a maximum of 10. So it's important to say enough but not go beyond the page because time is not necessarily on your side. You've got enough time to do the exam but you've got to keep an eye on the clock. So you definitely do not want to spend, you know, writing a page for, for ten marks. very important to know just how much to write. And this comes with practice and with study and with guidance. So let's take a look, first of all, at the, the command verb, explain. The question here, here is, is just a, a part of a question. Um, explain the benefits of an audit, and there are ten marks available. So we recommend that you bullet point or bullet sentence if that's if that's a term, your marks and that your, your answer and this will show you um, how much you've written and it also stops you from just sort of writing a big mass of text which you sometimes can get lost in. So this particular example that we've put together here, um, we believe is worth 10 marks out of 10. So, audits are beneficial as they provide an unbiased view of how well a project is being run. And we put a little tick there, so typically that could get you two marks to show some basic understanding. Um, Giving confidence, this gives confidence to the stakeholders that the policies are being followed. And you could give an example there, if you had time, of one of those stakeholders. For example, senior management. The next bullet sentence, They report, audits report on findings, which provide an opportunity for corrections to be made within the project, um, aiding successful outcomes. So again, shows some more understanding, shows that the audit leads you to making things better, correcting things. They feed into continuous improvement which allows the uh, company processes to be updated as necessary. So you carry out an audit, you find something is awry, something not being done, and you change something and that means then you get better and the organisation improves its performance and its consistency. They may be carried out by external regulatory body which enhances the reputation of the company and may provide a marketing opportunity. So again, you're giving an example here, important not to give examples from the workplace which may be too involved and too detailed and not understandable to um, anybody outside of your organization, but a, a kind of simple one there, so you could have given an example that the quality department could have done an audit, as well as regulatory bodies. So that would be worth 10 marks, typically. So let's look at the differentiate verb now. So the question could say differentiate between a project and business as usual. What it may well say, as we explained before, is explain the differences between a project and business as usual. It may say explain three differences and that would be worth 30 marks, or it may say explain two differences for 20 marks for part A of the question. So here we've compared and contrasted and that's quite important that you don't just say something Um, disassociated about a project, and then something completely separate about business as usual. You you kind of almost want a mirror here. So you say one thing about a project and something that's equivalent about business as usual or about the same same area. So projects deliver unique outputs, e.g. a new machine. EG, by the way, is, is your friend in this, because simple little example that doesn't take too long, EG, a new machine, tells the, uh, the marker that you know what a project delivers. So a new machine, while well, business as usual, takes that new machine and uses it to deliver the desired change to the organization. Projects deliver outputs which give new capability to an organization, e.g. the faster machine. So not only are we giving the output of a new machine, we're giving the capability of a faster machine, while business as usual uses the new capability to deliver benefits as such as profit. The project will use unique plans to achieve this, while business as usual relies on operating procedures. So that's worth about 10 marks. It shows an understanding of those two things, and you're able to compare and contrast and distinguish and differentiate between the two. So let's come on to the describe command verb now. And this is very different, important that we understand the difference between that and the explain. The explain, as we've, as we've said already, is the why, the rationale, the reason for, the reason why. The describe is the what. So we don't need to talk about the importance of it, the reason for doing it, or who benefits from it, unless the question specifically asks for that. So we've got a question here, describe the role of the user, or a user, through the project lifecycle. So, this is worth 10 marks, and there's a lot of things we could say about the user, but. The important thing here is to recognise that the question doesn't just tell us about, the, ask us about the role of the user, it asks us about the role of the user through the lifecycle. So what we need to do is make sure that we show a, a sort of holistic understanding of the user's role. So, at the beginning of the project, we said here, they provide the requirements. We go on to say, that they provide input into the analysis and the ranking of those requirements. So, you know, the must-haves, the could-have, the should-have. So they have some input into that. Our third point here talks about developing acceptance criteria that they will then use at the end of the project to decide whether the requirements have been met. Our fourth bullet point here um, brings in this idea that they would effectively guide uh, the technical delivery team so that they stay on track, because there's a tendency of course in projects for the the delivery team to go off uh, at a tangent and forget the original user's requirements. So the users help the team to stay on track and not stray and go off course. And then last but not least, the users are there at the end applying the tests, the acceptance criteria that they contributed to, to accept the goods into service and to sign them off, saying that the project has met the acceptance criteria. So a description of what the user does regarding requirements through the life cycle in short sentences. And that would be worth a healthy 10 out of 10. We come to the the sort of minor players, if you like, in terms of the command verbs. There are only uh, four assessment criteria, two for state and two for outline. And these are worth five marks, so obviously they will be, be put together to make 10 or 20. I think rarely would they uh, be put together to make 30, but certainly 20 would there. Uh, and they typically um, ask um, for a short sentence or a paragraph here. Uh, a one-liner is probably not enough for a state or an outline unless you're very concise and precise here. You get two marks generally for saying something akin to a, a list item. So let's look at the state, uh, a state example, the command verb state. The question here is state a factor which can negatively impact communication. So this will be worth five marks. So what we said here is the use of jargon and over complicated terms. Now had you just said that, you typically might get two marks for showing that you you understand what can negatively affect communication. But we've gone on to say the use of jargon over complicated terms can alienate people and prevent them from understanding the message and lead to the wrong actions being taken. So you see what we've put in here, we've put some, some rationale, so a bit of the explain and the implications of the use of jargon. And that would show enough understanding to, to get you full marks. The other command verb, uh, equivalently marks to explain and describe, is the interpret. Now, there is no longer uh, any requirement to have a calculator and to do calculations in the exam. So all the calculations have been done, and you are given the data, which you have to interpret and draw out some implication or some meaning. So typically, earned value would be the, the, the candidate for this one where they would give you some information, as you see on the screen here in the table, some information about a project. Uh, They tell you when the project, where it's at, its overall objectives in terms of time and cost, and what has been achieved at a point in the project. So here, typically, uh, 50% of the way through the project, um, you've got some data that tell you what the earned value is, what your plan was, and perhaps what your actual costs are. Somebody has calculated the cost performance index, the schedule performance index. Typically, they could have also calculated the scheduled variance and the cost variance, and give you this information. And the question might be asked here as such, um, for each um, situation, propose a practical response that the project manager can make to these situations. So what does the data mean and how do you interpret it in terms of an action? So for example, if the project is unspending um, but going slow you could put more resources on it. And you could talk about what that would mean to the project and how it would affect the fortunes of the project. So there's a, a worked example here on the screen. I'm not going to go through it in detail with you, but it gives you some idea. So we've said here, because the cost performance index is, it means this. The project manager can do this. This will require careful planning and source management and so on there. Uh, the PM would need to check these things and investigate the likelihood of this working. So you've really shown a depth of understanding on this one. So interpret is worth 10 marks, making up a minimum of 20 marks. So in conclusion then, um, just some additional thoughts here. The PMQ exam is tough, make no mistake about that, people do fail it. Lots of people pass it and there's no reason why you shouldn't uh, pass, but people do fail it and they fail it for a number of reasons. Not enough study and understanding of the subject. Obviously if that's key, you have to know your subject. Not enough practice. It's not enough just to read the book and watch the slides and watch the PM channel and say, well I understand the subjects, so I'm sure I could answer a question. Practice is key. Tackle as many PMQ questions as you can. If you sign up for a ProVec course, Uh, whether that's an online course or a classroom course, then you will get lots and lots of feedback. And that will really be helpful to you to see what the tutor is saying about what you're submitting. It's quite common for people to start off on a course and and the initial work they hand in scores, you know, fairly low. But in a few days, the feedback, the marks are up there with the best. So we want confidence when we go into the exam and practice makes perfect. I often use the analogy of... Um, If I wanted to run a marathon, I wouldn't uh, read all the books on running marathons and then turn up for the London Marathon. I would start to run to to the post box at the end of the road and back, and then I'd go a little bit further and I would build up gradually. And you need to build your stamina up for the PMQ exam. It's three hours, very, very intense. Make sure you understand the command verbs and you, 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 you look at the sample answers that we provide with you there. Um, in the exam itself, timekeeping is absolutely key. Um, if you come out answering only eight questions, then, then they have to be pretty good answers to score a pass. So we want to cover the 10 questions asked. So you know, timekeeping is key, and again, practice makes perfect. When you start answering some of these questions, you may find them taking 30 minutes or so. But with practice, you get them down to the required 15 minutes or so there. Um, In the Provec book, which um, is available, um, you will receive this if you come on one of our courses, or you can purchase it separately. Um, In there, we we, we give you a lot more tips about um, how to tackle questions. We give you sample questions and sample answers. And you have access to a a real live tutor as well to help you. So I hope that has been helpful to you and um, I look forward to seeing you maybe on some of our, our future sessions.